Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I want to take just a moment before we, before we get into today's message, and you can begin to turn over to 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to look at the, the story of Naaman, the, the finish this message from last week. But uh, today is September the 11th, and it's uh, 15 years ago today that we came under attack, a terrorist attack, a horrific day um, in our nation's history where just under 3,000 people lost their lives. And um, I just want us to, together here as a, as a body here, to just pray for our nation today. Can we do that? And uh, so let's do that. Father, thank you. God, thank you for the, for the awesome privilege, the honor, and the responsibility that we have of living in the United States of America. Thank you, God, for our freedom. Thank you, Lord, that, that there are those individuals who shed their own blood and lost their own lives so that we could stand here in freedom today and liberty, Lord. And there are those who are continuing to do so even today. And Father, as we remember this day, this, this very tragic day in our nation's history, Lord, but also we see the resolve of a people who are able to rebuild and to move forward and, and to continue to pursue liberty and freedom. So we thank you, God, for that. And we pray for your blessing upon our country. Lord, you know, as we know that there are things that need to be fixed. There are things we need help. We need, we need your help. And so we're looking to you and we're asking you, God, that we are, we are making an appeal to heaven and we're declaring, God, your kingdom come here. Your will be done here as it is in heaven, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For the foundation that we have to stand upon on this, in this great nation, Lord, that we will be a people, Lord, who will remember, remember who we are, remember where we've come from, and so that we can know where we're going. Thank you, God, for this freedom that we have in this moment. Bless these United States. Bless our military. Bless our, our police officers and our firefighters. Lord, all those emergency workers, Lord, we just thank you, God, for your blessing and protection over them, God, as they continue to put their life on the line. Bless them, Lord. And Lord, bless this time together now. Thank you for your word. And Lord, we look to your word. We thank you that it is life to those who find it, and it is health to all of their flesh. I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ to be upon your people today. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. We, uh, we started looking at the, the story of a man by the name of Naaman, who's the captain of the Assyrian army. And uh, this book opens up, this chapter opens up, this chapter 5 opens up, talking about him and his, his strength in battle, that he was, the scripture says he was valiant, and that the Lord actually, through this man, had, had brought Syria a great victory. And part of that victory was against Israel, because Israel um, had, had basically uh, walked away from God, and so the Lord was allowing them to be weaker, a weaker nation at that time than, than other nations. And so they were taken into captivity from time to time. And this is one of those times when the Assyrians came in and raided Israel. And, and God had used this man, Naaman, uh, to do it. And, <clears throat> but it says all of these amazing things about him. And, and, uh, but it ends, this one verse ends saying, but he was a leper. And uh, the, one of the truths that we brought out of that for us today is that um, the strongest and, and the, the best still have needs. And God has created us with a need, and the need is to depend on Him. He's created us so that, yeah, we can prosper and do great things in the earth and succeed and enjoy life, but He's also made us to have this dependency upon Him. 
so that ultimately he's the one who completes us. Amen. And, uh, and he's, he's able to supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. So it doesn't matter the great, the strong, the mighty, uh, the weak, and the poor. They all, we all have needs, and ultimately that need is for God. And the next thought that we had was during that raid, the scripture goes on to tell us in this, in this chapter that, that um, they had, when they had raided Israel, that, they, that Naaman had taken this young girl, had captured this young Israeli girl, and she became Naaman's wife's maid or his, her servant. And it was when this little servant girl saw his condition of leprosy, she said, oh, that he could get to the man of God, because the man of God would heal him of this. And that's where we learn sometimes the most unlikely people have the most important things to say to you. And if you'll open your ears to hear, not just from those who regularly give advice and you know, regularly speak the word of God into your life, but the everyday people in your life that are passing you by and having casual conversation with it, God can and will speak through the most unlikely people. Yeah. Um, and then also as, as the story progresses that the king... Uh, of Assyria gets news from, from Naaman that there's, there's, he can get healed if he'll let him go uh, there to see this man of God. Well, the king writes a letter to the king of Israel and says, basically he says, I'm sending <laughs> Naaman to you so that you will heal him of his leprosy. And so the king of Israel freaks out thinking, I don't, I don't have the power to do that. I'm not God. Uh, so he assumed that he was picking a fight with him uh, rather, than, rather than looking for uh, the rather than his initial intention, and to, to see the name and get healed. And, but that's because, and we see that today, that men look for political answers to spiritual problems. Don't we see that? As we continue to add one more, one more thing, one more thing, one more power, one more way to spend money to our government, which will never be able to solve problems by just throwing money at them. And then when Naaman gets there, he finally gets to the man of God, and, and, and Elisha, the prophet, sends his servant out to tell Naaman how he's going to get healed of this leprosy, and that he's going to go dip in, in the Jordan seven times, and he'll be washed and be cleaned of, of his leprosy. Well, that helps me, and I think that helps us all today, that God loves us enough to give us simple answers. Yeah. Right? It's a, it was a simple thing to do. Yeah for Naaman to go do. And I'm grateful that God speaks to me in those terms. Yeah. We're going to pick up in verse 9 now today to continue to walk through this, this amazing story. That Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. All right, so we're backing up just a little bit. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Um, being that the answer is simple... Uh, but the thing is that religion does not like uh, simple answers, especially when it comes to the gospel. Likes to complicate this message so much. Because look how Naaman responds to this. I mean, you would think that he would just go, oh, that's great. But look how he responds. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, or the King James Version says, I thought. I thought that he, speaking of Elisha, will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. I don't know where Naaman got this idea. As I was telling the service, maybe he saw it on TBN. Maybe he saw a preacher call on God's name and 
wave his hand, maybe watch, probably watching Benny Hinn then. He's waving his hand and, and then somebody getting healed. Um, but I don't know where he got the idea that that's how it was supposed to go, but he had his mind fixed on exactly how he was going to get healed. And so when the man of God came with a different answer, he didn't like it because that's not what he was thinking. And those words, I thought, are faith killers, all right? And they can, they can cause you to, to hinder or to delay or to even stop the Word of God taking effect in your life. Amen. I thought, I thought. Frank was sleeping soundly one night when his wife Sally shook him awake and said, Honey, someone has broken into the house. Frank was used to this because for almost 20 years of marriage, just about every night, she says these same words. And Frank knew that there was no way that he could go back to sleep until he got up and went and checked to assure her that nobody was in the house. However, on this particular night, he came downstairs to find that there was a man robbing them. And so when the, man, when the thief saw Frank, he dashed for the door, but Frank said, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. I need, come, I need you before you leave. Please come with me and meet my wife. And the thief said, why, why do you want me to meet your wife? He said, because she's been expecting you for 20 years, man. <laughs> one, one, of the, one of the biggest opportunities, now hear this, one of the biggest opportunities for disappointment in your life is the expectation that you put on other people. Come on, have you, how many of you are married in here? You know exactly what I just said, don't you? Huh? The disappointment in your life is, comes from the expectation that you put on other people. The I thoughts in your life, rather than his thoughts of your life, will always cause you to think wrong thoughts and to make bad decisions. Uh, many years ago, we, when we were living out in West Texas, we had a, uh, a woman that was ministering, a woman preacher, and she was in our church and, and was prophesying. All those things that passed away were happening in our church. Strange. But she was prophesying, and she, she had a word for Heather. It was real interesting. She said uh, that along, something along the lines of, you... <laughs> You will be leading dance in church. Now, any of you know Heather, or especially known her back then when she had just barely gotten into the things of God, like, like I knew, she would come out of a very traditional church, and so uh, it was a strange thing. And even after we left, she thought, leading dance in church, that's funny. It's probably not going to happen. Because her only experience at dance in church was what was common practice in, in, in our day, in the Spirit-filled church especially, uh, what we called interpretive dancing. Anybody go to that kind of church? You know what I'm talking about, where they had the, the flags, right, and the tambourines and the Jewish songs, and, and, and the, the women would, would dance to, to certain songs, you know, like prophetic dancing, intercessing, I don't know what all the labels they put on it, but, you know, they were dancing. And so that's what Heather had in her mind, <laughs> which kind of made her chuckle, thinking, no, that's not going to happen. I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing it. Because it just didn't match, you know. So 
But some years later, we, had this, we did this production, which we've done here, uh, called a Christmas production called The Gospel According to Scrooge. And lo and behold, this, this production requires some dance moves in it for some of the songs. And who was named the choreographer of the dance? Her. And then when, when that happened, she remembered, oh, that's what the prophetess meant. Okay, it wasn't what I was thinking. See, whatever God has spoken to you, you can know this, that whatever he's spoken to you is absolutely the truth. And so, so don't let your own thinking and reasoning hinder or keep you from receiving from him. Because uh, the truth is, more times than not, what God has spoken to you, it will not come to pass in the way that you imagined it. And you and I have to just come to the place in our lives where we, we have this resolve, as Mary did when she heard those unbelievable words, you are going to bear the Son of God. You're going to conceive and you're going to have God's child to where you just come to the place where you say, okay, let it be to me according to your word. God, I don't, I'm not even going to try to pretend I, like I know what that looks like or how that's going to happen. I'm putting that on you. You said this, I believe you. Let it be to me according to your word. Can you just say that with me? Let it be to me according to your word. Amen. Let's continue to read verse 12. And, and, and this is, this is uh, um, Naaman in his fury. And he says, are not the uh, 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 Abana and the Tharpar, got to be careful reading that one, the, the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in, can I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. When people put their expectation of how they think the Lord should do something and, or why or when, uh, then, then they've just entered into this realm where you can lose your faith. You come into this place where you're only working by your human reasoning. That's a great opportunity for you to stop believing right there and to even lose your walk of faith. So we have to simply not understand, but believe. Look at verse 13. And his servants came near Jeremiah, wherever you are. He probably, did, you, did he already go home for the football game? Okay. <laughs> he told me when I got up, you got 20 minutes. So... Verse 13, and his servants came near and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? If the prophet had told you to do something great or difficult or hard, I mean, he's told you something really easy. Would, would you not have done that? What if he had told you you got to fast for two weeks and no water and no, no food and no water? But he's telling you something simple. He's telling you something simple to do. Look at that. How much more then... When he says to you, wash and be clean. Now, this is a picture of the diametric message of law and grace. And we see this in the body of Christ today that people love a challenge. People love a challenge. And, and for some reason, they, they, people that think like that when it comes to the gospel tend to lean toward legalistic preaching. Uh, they seem to love it. If a preacher declares a message that tells people that it's difficult to get into heaven, it's difficult to be saved, uh, and that there are all kinds of things that you need to do, they seem to enjoy that. I don't know about any of you, but when I was growing up, I grew up in a in, in pretty hardcore Pentecostal 
uh, church at one point, not my whole life, but one part of it was, and went to a Christian school where, wow, it was rules, 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 rules. And uh, I mean, the women didn't wear makeup, and they didn't cut their hair, and they certainly didn't wear pants. All of you, all, all you women in here today, they would be telling you, you're going to hell. You got makeup on, you're going to hell. That's what, I mean, it was always, we were going to hell for something, right? You'll go to hell for that. I remember hearing that all the time, you'll go to hell for that, 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 you'll go to hell for that. And it was just constant. <laughs> I, I, wish, I wish I was joking, but I'm not. Women who so desperately needed to wear makeup were not wearing makeup. I don't know. What the heck's up with that? And, 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 and if a man had facial hair, he was going to help. He wore a what, Jesus, Abraham, Moses. I, at least the, the, the pictures say they have beards. <laughs> we don't really know what they look like. But it's just unreasonable. It's just unreasonable. And it was interesting that my, my dad went to, a, 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 went to a convention of Christian schools, and he was an administrator uh, of, our, of our Christian school. And, and the people who, I mean, it was a, there were a lot of great things about it. The education was good and got a lot of Christian education and, and I think, true American history. Um, but as dad had to go to this convention to, uh, to learn uh, more about the curriculum and stuff. And he's sitting with these guys, and these guys all come out of real staunch, you know, way of thinking, very fundamental. And, and so they were telling him all the, all the young, all the boys in the school have to have, you know, their, their hair a half inch above the ear and an inch above the collar in the back. And it has to be, you know, everything has to be like this. And so dad says, as I'm sitting there, I'm looking at these pictures on the wall. And the pictures are Bible pictures, Bible story pictures. And he says, uh, he says, oh, and the boys have to all be clean shaven. He said, I'm looking. He said, I see Jesus, and I see Moses, and I see Abraham, and I see Samson. And I said, all these men have long hair and beard. And these guys were talking about this is the standard. This is the holy standard. We're, we're, we're. And so my dad just raised his hand. He said, um, if that's the standard, why are we making all those guys our heroes? Legalism does not like that things are easy when it comes to our entrance into the kingdom of God. And the more beat up and bad you feel, the more you feel like you're earning it. We used to, we used to really think we had church depending on how bad we felt when we left. The worse we felt, the more beat up we felt, the better we felt. The gospel is just too easy for religious people to like it. I, and, and I find it interesting that many hide behind the thought, listen to me today, because I think I can, I can help some of you if, if you'll let, allow. I, I just find it interesting that many hide behind the thought or belief that truth is some kind of balance to the grace of God. As if grace by itself is flawed or it's not the, or it's not the whole message. Interesting to me. And so they, they act like truth is a balance to grace and that, and that you have to have both things. But listen to me, those who think that they need to balance grace with truth often define truth, though, as rules. That's all it is, is rules. Somebody going to tell the truth. And let me tell you what the truth is. You need to do this, do this, do this. You need to stop this, stop this, stop this. God is good. But, yeah, salvation is free, but, 
He's always that. I'm here to, and, and, and you know, I, I know that, I know why, because they don't really understand what the grace of God is. They don't really have a revelation of what it is, that, that they, so they preach hard on repentance and sin and try to dangle people over hell so that they will be afraid to sin or, or and, and make all kinds of rules about this great, great salvation. Because they believe if they don't do that, then people will live however they want to live instead of living for God. But what they fail to understand is, if I'm going to live how I want to live, I'm always going to do the right thing. Because I is not this flesh, I is a spirit. And my spirit is joined to the Lord, and because my spirit is like his, then my spirit has his desire, his wants. So God helped the church to do what they want to do. Because if the people of God will really do what they want, then they'll live free. They won't sin. The flesh won't win. But when they make you about your flesh, they only weaken the church. They weaken people, and the church has a major identity crisis as a result of that because many times we don't know who we are. But you are the body of Christ. You are washed. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You have his nature in in you. You You're a whole new creation in Christ. The spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you. You can't get any holier in the spirit than you are right now. So you're going to have to teach this flesh how to do it. And that's going to come by what comes through your mouth and how you think. Amen? Can I get a good amen today? Now watch this. Hey, because, well, you can't just tell people good news all the time. Can't just be all good, good, good. Why? Why can't it? Is there any bad news in heaven ever? Isn't it all good all the time? I mean, isn't that that's that's the optimum, right? Why can't we why can't we continue to think about what goodness does for us? First of all, the scripture says God is good. Right? The scripture says God is good, right? Doesn't it? You are good and you do good. You are good and you do good. That's what it said. That's what David said of God. You are good and you do good. How God anointed, Acts 10, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Okay, so watch this. What's the gospel? Good news. It's literally translated good news. So, how, did, how could God help us in our bad situation of death, of sin and death, by bringing good news? And when we believe the good news, guess what? We got brought out of that sin and death uh, situation and into salvation. There's also a scripture over in the book of Romans that says, it's the goodness of God that does what for us? It leads us to It's not the hammering, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. All you ever talk about is good, good, good. Yeah, because I want people saved and I want people to repent. That's why we say good things, good things, good things, good things all the time. We don't beat people into it. We inspire them into living a good life. Amen. We preach a gospel that saves. Does the gospel save? Absolutely. It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. If the gospel has that ability, then that gospel continually heard, that gospel continually preached will help people live right, live a life that pleases God. 
Amen. It's not my job. It's not my responsibility to make people live right and, and do right. It's not my responsibility. I can't do that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But you have the Holy Spirit living in you, guiding you into all truth. Romans chapter 8 says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How can you, how can you, think about it, how can a Christian continue? Now, I'm not saying they, they don't. I'm just saying I, I, it's difficult because they have to fight and struggle to live opposite of who they are. See, the difficult thing is to live a life of transgression as a Christian. It's a lot easier living as a Christian once you're a Christian because that's what your nature is. But you start fighting yourself, and that's when life gets difficult. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden's light. Hmm? It's the good news. It's the good news that causes us to want to live a life pleasing to him. Now, I want to... I want to, to, I want to go to one scripture right quick, um, 2 Peter chapter 1. Ooh, man, saints are playing one minute. Sorry, Jeremiah. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> it's good news that teaches you to live a life that pleases the Lord as well. Watch this. Was it, think about it. Didn't God kind of bribe us? with this gospel message. Yeah, kind of a bribe. If you'll believe, you'll live forever. You'll live forever. You'll never die. You'll never be sick. You'll never be broke. You'll never, I mean, it's all good. You'll never cry again. You'll never be sad one more day of your life. What do I got to do? Believe this gospel. I, I, I think I can do that. I think I can do that. Yeah. All of it, and so that, this promise of eternal life is like whew, the promise to experience his love for an, forever and ever, the, the promise that our sins are all forgiven. Wow. But then there are all these promises that we can apprehend right here in this life until we see the ultimate day, that we can, we can grab a hold of right now. It's like he's, he's, he gives us these things. Now watch this. Look what he says. As his divine power is given to us, all this is 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, through these what? Through these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature. In other words, you will partake of what God has for you. You'll live the life God wants you to live. This is what they're saying. How's that going to happen? When you Grab a hold of these promises. When these promises are at work in your life that he's given you, and, and as a result, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Wow. So what is lust? Lust is the desire for the wrong thing. Yeah. Amen. The promise is the cure to the desire for the wrong thing. He's given you these things so that you go after them. What do they do? They inspire us. And how are you going to get those promises? You're going to have to walk by faith. Yeah. Imitate Amen. those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Yeah. Walk by faith to apprehend these things. And guess what? If you're walking by faith, then you're pleasing God because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Yeah. This is beautiful. So He continues to put good news out before us. You're, you're healed by His stripes. I'll provide all your needs according to my riches and glory. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 
You see, he puts this good news, it's good news. Why wouldn't we preach good, 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 good? It's good all the time. Yeah, it's supposed to be good all the time. Amen. My God is good all the time. And it's also that good news that compels us to not stay silent with this good news, but to declare it. Oh, we must continue. Verse 14. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. God has complete restoration in store for you. Complete restoration in store for you. Naaman didn't get the flesh of a man of his age. Wouldn't that have been cool? Yeah, that would have been cool. He got better than that. He got the flesh, the scripture says, as of a little child, which means that the the process of, the normal process of aging and sun and wind, what it did to his skin, also went away. Wow. God has complete restoration in mind for you. But you know, one of our problems is that we get satisfied with mediocre things. Because, because that's, because we get mediocre service a lot. So we've just come to accept it and deal with it. You know, like, a, like the man who needed to get his car fixed, needed to get his brakes fixed, so he took it to the, his, his mechanic, and his me- mechanic called him, told him to come pick up the car, it was ready, and he said, uh, sir, he said, I couldn't fix your brakes, so I made your horn louder. come to accept mediocre things. And when it comes to the things of God, God's not going to give you mediocre. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have more abundantly. All right? He's going to give you to the fullest. God has complete. Say, God has complete restoration for me. Come on, say it again. God has complete restoration for me. Amen. Verse 15, and he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him and said, indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except God, except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. Let me say this to you, this truth here. The, the, the first response of a changed heart is to be generous. The first response of a changed heart. Once you become a child of God, you're born all over again, and now you have his spirit, his nature on the inside of you, you'll find yourself start desiring what he desires and, and acting upon what, acting like he does. God so loved that he gave, so loved the world that he gave. And it's, it's, this is the response of a heart that has been changed. Christians should not be told to give. They should just give. Right? That should just be a, a natural response, a heart that's ready to act like their heavenly father. Yeah. Amen. Um, when, when, when you heart, when you're, because when your heart is changed, you realize that how little the things of this world really matter. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think there is a dead man out there that misses his stuff on earth. Because they have an understanding of what's really important now. When you're, I mean, as, as expensive as surgeons and, and doctors are, if compared to your life, a life or death situation for you, it doesn't matter, right? They're really quite cheap compared to your life. And, and, and you do anything. That's what Naaman was doing. I mean, he was so grateful that he had his health back 
that he, he was willing to, to, to give something as a result. But look, look what the man of God does. Watch this. <clears throat> but he said, verse 16, and the Lord, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. The man of God refused because he's talking to a man who doesn't have a covenant with God. All right, this is Naaman, and God has just chosen to be gracious to Naaman. Naaman doesn't have a covenant. He's not a, a, of the people of God. He is a foreigner or an alien. And so now he comes back to, get, to give him Elisha this, and I, Elisha wants it to be very clear to him, you cannot purchase what God gives. Now, don't make any mistake. Elisha took offerings from the people of God. He did that regularly. But to this man, he had to get the message clear to him. You can't buy it. Because if he had taken the gift, there could be misunderstanding, right, about what was really happening here. So he wanted to make sure that him and all of us knew God's grace cannot be earned. It cannot be bought. This is a gift of God's grace for the foreigner. Thank you, Lord, that you came to this foreigner, to these foreigners, and brought us grace. Thank you, Lord, for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You gave us what we didn't deserve. You gave us what you wanted us to have. Thank you for that. Verse 17, so Naaman said, then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offerings or sacrifices to other gods, but to the Lord. Now, this last, this last two verses we're going to look at right here. I'm almost through. Verse 18 is a key verse because it opens up to us a New Testament reality. It opens up to us the marvelous, the glorious grace of God. Watch this. Yet in this thing, now Naaman has already admitted that there's only one God now, hadn't he? He said, only the, the God of Israel. He's, he's the one true God. Now watch this. Yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the temple of Rimmon, now his master is the king of Syria, okay? When my master goes into the temple of Rimmon, or this false god, to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, when I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord please pardon your servant of this thing. He has admitted that there's only one true God, but he has to go back and serve his king. And part of the service to his king is that he goes into that temple of that false god and bows to this god with his king. So he's saying, I know, listen, I'm going to go into the temple and I'm going to bow. And, and, and the biblical description of bowing is worship. I'm going to bow to this, this false god, but I'm asking, I know in my heart who the real god is. So my heart's not in this. I'm going to go through the motions. I'm going to bow to this God. And what I'm asking for God, from God is to pardon me for doing this. <laughs> Strange request. He's asking God to pardon him before he sins. What kind of God would forgive sins before they were ever committed? What kind of God is that? Except that we know that our God, 2,000 years ago in Christ Jesus, who hung on a cross and died for the sins of all mankind, the Scripture says, He became the once-for-all sacrifice 
2,000 years before any of us were ever born, let alone ever committed a sin, chose to forgive us of all of those sins. And we hadn't committed one yet. And he chose to forgive us before that. Now, I can't, I can't comprehend that. That is an amazing love that brings an amazing grace. Well, Pastor Eric, you can't say stuff like that without balancing it out because that sounds like if people know they're forgiven anyway, they'll just go live like the devil. They might. They might. I hope they don't. That's not my issue. It's not my problem. I have to tell them the truth. And the truth is, they're forgiven. That's the gospel. Like it or not. You can be ashamed of that or not. I'm not ashamed of that gospel. I'm not ashamed of it. It sounds too good to be true. It is too good and it's still true. When I hear this gospel... Preached in this way, think about it. That does not make me want to live according to the flesh. That makes me want to do something for God. That makes me want to bless Him and praise Him and bring honor to His name. When I really understand that I am forgiven, I can truly live free. Paul had the audacity to say, all things are lawful for me. But not all things are profitable. In other words, just because I can doesn't mean I should. Just because I'm free to do it doesn't mean it's the best decision for me. Amen. And true maturity is found in whether you live for what is lawful or what is profitable. Yeah. Amen. What can I get away with? <laughs> the lawful ones. All right, you, you want to do that? That's your choice. But you will. You will have to answer to God for all the works we, we do in this body, both good and bad. But the truth is, he has forgiven us of all of our sins, and I thank God for that. I love this gospel. I love this gospel. As a man, I'd love to tell you there are strings attached. <laughs> I'd like to for the other shoe to drop and scare you into... Something other, uh, some other reality. But I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to let you hear the word. And that is Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is the gospel, my family. That's it. And whoever believes on him will have everlasting life. Welcome to true liberty. Welcome to true freedom. Verse 19, look what the prophet said. Then he said to him, go in peace. That's why we understand now we have peace with God because Jesus paid it all. Today I believe that we're all here because God invited us here. If you're here visiting, and I, I personally believe you didn't come here just to see what goes on here or because somebody brought you. I believe that God wanted you here because he wants you and his family. He wants you to know him. 
and his goodness. He wants you to believe on his son and and believe that Jesus took upon himself all your failures, all your sins, and forgave you. You think of all the, the wrong things that you've done and said and thought, all that stuff. Jesus took all of that. Jesus shed blood for all of it because he loves you that much. Today, and today I just invite you to believe on him. Believe that Jesus died for your sins. You might have heard the scripture, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If we're not careful, we can just kind of hide in that thought. But it becomes real when you say he died for my sins. God sent Jesus to me. And receive him into your own life. And you can simply say, Lord, I believe that you died for me. Lord, I believe that you rose again from the dead, and I receive your free gift of salvation. I want to know this love that you came to give me. I want to be free from the darkness I am in. Help me, Lord. Save me. It's very simple. And in doing that, you become a part of his family. And you have a home called heaven waiting for you because this earth is here today and gone tomorrow. Life is temporary, but heaven is forever. And God invites you to be with him forever and ever. Amen. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss this moment. Right now is the moment of salvation for you. Surrender to him and let him show you who he is and who he can, what he can do for the rest of your life. He wants to be involved in the rest of your life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great time together. With all these wonderful people, Lord, I thank you that you have spoken to us today, Lord. Thank you for the truth of your gospel, this amazing gospel that saves men. There is no other name given among men, no other name in heaven or earth by which we must be saved. We call on the name of the Lord, your scripture says, whoever, I love that invitation. That means all of us. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for this great gift of salvation. The wages of sin is death, but thank God that's not the end of the story. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the peace of God right now here. The grace of God, as Paul continued to say, the peace and grace of God, hallelujah, would be with your people now. Lord, thank you for healing today. Thank you, Lord. There are, there are people here who are struggling with physical ailments, God. I thank you that you were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon you. And with your stripes, we are healed. Thank you, Lord. If you need healing right now, I just want to, well, just raise your hand where you are. I want to just declare God's, God's healing power over you right now. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you see these that need healing right now. I thank you now. I just declared that that healing is released. Now you sent forth your word and you healed them and you delivered them from their destruction. I declare they are healed now in Jesus' name. It's their covenant right because that, that, that was cut in the body of Jesus. And we thank you now that you bear those covenant scars upon your back, ensuring that we are healed. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you need some provision in your life. All right, is that you? Anybody here? I need something financial to change. You need some 
you need some help there. If you're here, Lord, I thank you right now for these that are here today who are looking for help. Lord, they need provision. I thank you that you supply all of their need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father God, for the breakthrough. Lord, you are our heavenly Father. That means you, as our Father, will provide. You will take care of them. And I thank you, Lord, for helping them in their situation. And I declare in Jesus' name, breakthrough. More money than month. <laughs> Hallelujah. We declare that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for being a very present help there. Hallelujah. Now, maybe a relationship. Maybe you're in a relationship. I don't know if it's a marriage. Maybe something with a child or a friend or coworker. Maybe that's strained. Can I pray for you? Lord, I thank you now for these here today. Lord, I pray for restoration right now, healing in these relationships, God. Help right now that love would abound. Love that covers a multitude of sins, that sees past those things, Lord, beyond those things. Thank you, Lord, that that, that is the that you would bring them together, Lord, in the bond of love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Right now for help. I just declare peace in those relationships. The peace of God. The enemy will not prosper. No, no weapon formed against them will prosper in Jesus' name. Every tongue that rises against them in judgment, they shall condemn in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that. Hallelujah. One more thing. One more thing. I feel like I need to address this too. Some, some of you here are battling some kind of fear or anxiety in your life. And it's, and it's sticking with you and you can't seem to shake it. All right? You're here. It's bothering you in your sleep. Uh, you're, you have, your physical body is actually responding to it. It's, it's wearing you down. In, in Jesus' name, I declare right now freedom from this. That that perfect love of God would enter in now. Now and cast out that fear. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it now, God. Thank you for it now. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he has given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for it. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com